Hello and welcome to another in our special Oscars edition of our podcast, uh, Conversations with Sound Artists. Um, I'm thrilled to be back at Skywalker Ranch. This is Glenn Kaiser with the Dolby Institute uh, and the Soundworks Collection. And we're t today we're talking with the uh, team on Star Wars The Last Jedi. Um, I'm thrilled to be at the table with some old friends of mine. Mr. Ren Kleiss, Mr. Matthew Wood, Mr. Michael Semanek. Pleasure to see you again. Welcome yeah. to the show, guys. Hey, Glenn. Congratulations on your nominations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, Matt, I want to start with you. Okay. Tell us a little bit about your history with, uh, you know, with at Skywalker Sound, and you've been doing Star Wars for a long time. Now. Yeah, I started uh, out here when I was 17. I was a video games tester, and then I worked on the Soundroid development team that was a project that George was putting together that he wanted to use on the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles as sort of a test bed because he wanted to do more Star Wars movies. And so then I worked on those. We remastered episodes four, five, and six, put those out in the theater again, and then Blu-ray and DVDs of those. And and uh, then we did, we did the prequels, and so I supervised all those. And then uh, I was lucky enough to be asked back on by Kathy Kennedy to do the new ones. And so I, I had a history with J.J. Abrams, and I did his films. Because you had done Star Trek. At that yeah, time, yeah, right? I had done. Uh, I helped Ben Bird on the first Star Trek, and I did the second Star Trek, and then we did Super Eight together. And uh, yeah, and then in the meantime, I was doing the Rebels TV series and the Clone Wars TV series, sort of keeping the Star Wars fire burning. And now we've got this great thing where we can bring in new designers into Star Wars and inject some lifeblood into it. And I just try to, you know, talk about what's come before, and just have a, a sort of a meta look at it all, because um, it's all, you know, someone can put in a DVD of Clone Wars, they can put in. A, one of the original films, a prequel, one of our new films, and we just kind of want parody across all those genres. And uh, it all kind of sits in the same universe. Yeah, that's kind of what we're, we're trying to do, and I try to bring that to the table while giving a wide berth to amazing new sound designers like Ren Kleiss over here. Uh, so, yeah. Well, so that's a, that's a good segue um, to Ren Kleiss. So, you, so this is your first time working in the Star Wars universe. Yes, so how did, this, how did this come up? <clears throat> and the, I, I, so the director, uh, Ryan Johnson... Um, hired you, or how did the, how did the team come together? Uh, well, I, I came on uh, right. At, I mean, JJ introduced me, and I, I came on uh, pretty early. And then it was like the question was who we were going to have sound design it. And I think he, Ryan, consulted with some of his past uh, sound uh, mentors. Like I think he talked to Gary Rystrom, and uh, Ren was first on the list there. And Kathy also had a history with you. Well, I think Gary was, I think first on the list, and then I think um, he. He had a conflict because I think he was doing um, Ready Player One. Oh yeah, uh -huh. and um, and another Spielberg film, which it was the he was the, doing the Post, the Post, right? So he was busy, and um, but I had a history with Kathy through David Fincher working on Curious Case of Benjamin, Benjamin Button. Button. So yeah. I actually got to know her pretty well on that film, and um, and I think David at one point. David Fincher was actually speaking with Kathy about possibly being part of the Star Wars universe, and and there was a time when you know that was sort of on the table, and so I think my my name got brought up then, and then David actually I think likes to take credit for suggesting Ryan Johnson to Kathy. Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> and I think you know. If David says he did, then I, I, I would believe him. But uh, he, he, we're, and we're all huge fans of Looper, right? Which is just movie. phenomenal. And David had seen it and just was couldn't believe it. And um, was actually speaking with Ryan about working on 
the Netflix series that he was developing, and um, so they were actually getting to know one another. With this, the, the, that became House of Cards. It was. I don't remember if it was House of Cards or Mindhunter or which one it ended up being. Mm. It might have actually been Mind Mindhunter. And um, anyway, they didn't work out. But then, and then when things uh, with Kathy and schedules and David, and somehow there was a discussion where David said, "You really have to talk to this Ryan Johnson filmmaker. He's amazing. You should watch Looper. He's a genius." So. Um, that's the story that David told me, and you know it seems accurate. It makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ren, you're, uh, you you brought up David Fincher, and that's I mean that's how I got to know you. Um, uh, before I got to Skywalker, when I was at Propaganda, and we worked on the game yes. <clears throat> together um, with Michael. With Michael, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yes. Um, so, you, uh, you know, you've. I, I think you're primarily uh, known for working on David's films and and being you know his sound designer since the beginning of his uh, kind of uh, uh, film career. So, what was it like for you to step into the Star Wars universe, where you know everything is, you know, this is a very different kind of language of storytelling than, than David Fincher's. It was really intimidating, to be honest, but it, at the same time, really exciting because. Growing up around this area here in Marin County, and being a a kid watching Star Wars and knowing tangentially where they shot THX eleven thirty eight and all the backstories of American Graffiti and and mm -hmm. just being excited that somebody was making movies and how wonderful it was. It was it was exhilarating to 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 get the chance to work on it. Um, and it, it started actually with a, with a reading the, the script and, and uh, Matt and I both read it and it's, it's really fun how the security on these things is so <laughs> insane. It's like mm -hmm. if you go to Lucasfilm, you have to check in, you have to show your ID, you have to get a badge, you go through these doors, it's like get smart and like these levels <laughs> of security and you go in and then finally there is a person in their room they had a safe, and they open up the safe, and inside the a safe, literal, a, a literally a it's, physical safe. It's a physical safe, <laughs> and then it's like out of a Coen's Brothers movie. And then they pull out this tablet thing, that's like an iPad that I've never seen before. It's like, what is this? And like, passcodes, and they put you in a room with a security camera, and you read the script with a security camera, so you can't take out your phone and do screen captures right, yeah. of the script. Like, right. But the funny thing is, I said, <clears throat> can I take notes on my laptop? And I'm like, sure, you can, because you know you have to. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, you'd have yeah. to take notes, but um, and then from there we both went to London. So this was before that shot. Yeah, yeah. We, we during pre-production when they were already over in Pinewood. You know, they've taken up uh, Lucasfilm has a production office in Pinewood. That's where we've been doing all the films. And they invited Ren and I to go out there. And and uh, this is a great thing that Kathy extends to the Star Wars teams. It's, and that's kind of something that George used to do. He let us go over to the sets and. Meet the model makers, the costume person, the goat, you know, hand, hold the guns, hold the weapons in our hands. We have to <laughs> hold a porg in our hands and meet the creature shop folks. And, and um, so that you really get inspired by that. And they have the whole, uh, they pitch you the film, basically. They have the whole design scape and all the storyboards and the models and everything. So that's super energizing. And the Millennium that. Falcon. Yeah, that's right. We got to walk, we get on, to the walk on the Yeah, you get yeah. to walk on the set. My God, how amazing yeah. is that? 
I presume it's not really useful for production, like for, for sound effects recording, you know. But you were actually, Ray, you were the one <clears throat> who taught me about the value of recording fully in the location or on the set. Because I remember I went down when you guys were doing Panic Room for David Fincher, that amazing set that he had built. And you would go into, you would go onto the, onto the set of the house um, when the crew wasn't there and you would record fully on site so that it would match in with, you know, uh, with the production tracks. We did. Um, yeah. And I, that, that, that thought just uh, popped in my head. I'm, I'm pretty sure you, you didn't do that on the Millennium Falcon, but. No, we didn't. It's all wood. <laughs> it's all wood, wood creeks. Sounds like cheap right. plywood. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that was a great, the, the panic room was an unusual opportunity because Fincher had built this house with these incredible acoustics. Right. And so, and and, and the full facade and the street and the facade of the houses on the other side. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but on Star Wars, even though the sets didn't have the same kind of uh, what you would want them to be. Space floor. Space floor. Creaky, <laughs> creaky plywood. <laughs> you, we did get the opportunity to hold things like the weapons. And, and that's actually, you can get a lot of good information from how heavy something is. Or on the island where the... Where the um, the, the temple, the, the temple, the, the temple island where all the creatures live. The fish. Mm -hmm. what, what do we call them? Caretakers. The caretakers. The caretakers. Yeah. And you know they have all these this wind chimes made out of netting, and right. you know, and it, and you wouldn't normally possibly see those things mm -hmm. with the footages if they just turned over a reel to you. But being able to be on set and see all those things that somebody has made gives you an idea as to their character and that gives an idea to what the sound of the soundscape would be. So in that respect, it was really... But it's also just great because, <clears throat> you know, you're going to go over there and do this research trip and it starts the brain percolating. Totally. Yeah. And then it'll, it'll still be some months before you actually get footage, right? But at least yeah. you're thinking and conceptualizing yeah. that whole time which yeah. is great yeah yeah now, the first things that require that, that that came onto our front burner basically were things that were actually connected to toys which was funny because all the all the you know toys that they want to put the sound effects into have a the really the production porgs, schedule. The porgs yeah. had to get had to get yeah. designed early on. And that's nice because it does require some decisions to be made. It puts thing it gets you thinking about things and sometimes when you have a deadline it kind of spurs more creativity in that way. But like a lot of the new items for the films, um, the ship sounds and weapons and creatures uh, were like we need to start figuring about that figuring out about that now. So that was a lot of back and forth. The beginning was was motivated by toys, but it was fine. Yeah. That's not unusual in Star Wars universe. Right. Yeah. And then so, Michael, so what did you, you were re-recording Mixer on the film. What, did, what was your job? What did you, re, which piece of the territory did you have? Uh, I handled all the sound effects. Okay. And the Foley uh, for the film. So sound effects and Foley and Ren, you mixed what on the? Music. You mixed music? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I did, because when I just saw your name on the credits, I thought it was going to be the opposite. I thought you would probably... Uh, Michael have mixed the music and ran you the, you the sound effects. How did that? So what you guys have obviously worked together for a very long time. Yeah. Michael, you've mixed a lot of the David Fincher movies yes. uh, with Ren. So how did you guys decide to divvy it up that way? Um, well, I think, you know, Ren's always been involved in music and, and the, actually the overall of the soundtrack and, and even through all the Fincher movies, you know, he's always involved with the composers mm -hmm. and talking to them and working with them. And so this just seemed like a natural fit. I mean, why don't you just take the faders? I mean, he went to the scoring dates and 
you know, and, and the score is, is intricate, but it wasn't, you know, wasn't massive amount of tracks. I mean, John just doesn't do that kind of stuff, but, uh, it was, yeah, take it over. I mean, it was a good blending and it just seems a natural fit, you know, with David and Ren and myself just on the board. That just seems like a natural fit. Yeah, it works really well. And Dave Parker makes the dialogue. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's what I mean, David Parker. Yeah. <clears throat> he, it's it was it was funny being a lot of these movies. I've never, I think historically we've never had the sound designer mix the music. You know, I think um, that 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 moment where uh, it was Sean Murphy uh, had, was a big proponent of you mixing the music, and then we went to the scoring session. It was the first time we were going to meet John Williams on the show, and and Ren and John Williams hit it off so wonderfully, and. And John Williams is such a sweet and humble man, and he just really—I think that that there was no question after that those meetings that that Ren was going to do that. But I think historically, like the, the thought of like Ben Burt mixing the music never would have happened. It was, it was, it was a totally different situation. Yeah, that, that just worked out great. I thought because on one and. Ren, you know, made the sound effects. It's his track. So to give that over to someone, another expert, to have his ear on it and mix that. Um, I thought nothing became too precious. Nothing became like, oh, we can't change that. It's something I made. So it was a very open feeling in the mix. And um, yeah, and, and, to, and to see Ren working there with Ramiro, who's John Williams' music editor, they had a great rapport too. So that was that was lovely to see that. What was it? Yeah, Ren, what was it like working with John? Because John, as as Matt mentions, John Williams is very he's a very genteel, sweet, humble guy, but he's also very protective of his music. Mm-hmm. So how did you establish that rapport with him, and how did that process go? Um, well, Sean Murphy and I are good friends and have known each other for quite some time. And Sean, who really deserves a lot of credit for the sound of the music of this film, um, really, he was the first to champion me to mix the music. And that, because we had worked on other films uh, where he, he was the scoring mixer. In fact, and then Michael Samanik and I, we've been doing with David Parker this sort of hat trick, if you will, of switch, switching roles for quite some time now. And we've really enjoyed it, right, Michael? I mean, it's been kind of, it's, it's, a, it's, it's been fun to have Michael's um, instincts uh, on the sound design because he, his perspective is so good and he has such a good way of, of looking at the material that might, as you said, Matt, might normally be too precious mm-hmm. if someone like myself were to be holding on to it but um because michael has it he has a fresh take on it and and ryan actually said ryan johnson said something really nice about you michael i don't know if you heard that but he said uh we were talking about you the other day and he was like oh, no. oh michael he's a storyteller <laughs> and it's true i mean michael knows how to tell a story with sound and, and knows how to sculpt things really nicely so um, but back to your question about the music, I think that also because I love music so much yeah. and, um, and, uh, it's really important to me. Um, it's not something that I want to not have, you know, it's, it's the lifeblood force of the film and particularly in Star Wars, it's, it's a character, it's. It's, I, I it's wanted, bigger than, than well. I, I wanted to ask you about the sort of the the rules of music in Star Wars because it it has a very specific kind of you know presence because of John's you know score historically and you know I think I mean one of the things that I've always noticed about the Star Wars films is they're very score heavy. I mean, there's probably the movie's 125 minutes. There's probably 122 minutes of music. So 
how did how did you guys do that dance between the two of you of you know balancing sound effects and score well you you uh you know you listen to the score without anything in it you know uh when i'm looking at a scene what's the scene about what what's the supporting elements of the scene and so for me it's finding out what frequencies work with the score and finding out what really needs to come through and again it's it is storytelling it's like well what's the most important thing in the scene why is the camera tracking in is the score Mm -hmm. should be coming up slightly i should be fading out the background so that draws the audience in more or which whatever it is so for me it's just listening to the the music and hearing its intricate setup or its counterpoint and going okay well i don't want to cloud that up or what works here and what doesn't work here when is it going out when is it starting to fade down i can come up and and take it over and it can hand off to me. So I'm always looking at that stuff and and just weeding out, you know, frequencies to help clarify the score and, and not because you can just keep throwing stuff on top of each other and sure. the next thing you know you got it's just a buildup of noise and you it, sometimes you can't follow what's going on. So for me it's always trying to follow and and clarify. And so if the score has got something really beautiful there and it's working then it's like, well, I don't need to cloud it and be in the way. Let's get out of the way and put in the specific sound effects or specific things here and there or clear the line for the dialogue. In uh, other times when it's not working, it's like, well, maybe we drop a, a cue here and then, you know, what can I do to fill in? But, you know, we have such a working relationship as I, you know, I can throw comments out <laughs> <laughs> rudely and, and they're just like, oh, yeah, okay, well, you know. Yeah, and, you're famous for that. Yeah. <laughs> But we, we uh, <laughs> they, they throw punches right back, trust me. <laughs> but Sucker it's, punches. But it's listening too. to the music, you know, and, and learning what John Williams has written mm-hmm. and why. And, you know, it's a crash course in his thinking. And so, as Michael was saying, absolutely listen to the music all by itself and try to get a sense of what story he. John Williams is telling and what he's supporting is he's supporting this character's insecurity, mm-hmm. he's supporting that character's fear and listening to the instrumentation and how it interacts then with the dialogue. And sometimes we'll bring in the dialogue, oh, I see she says this, and then there's a call and response with the music. Oh, that seems precious. Let's, let's make sure that that stays. So um, a lot of it is just learning what he's written as quickly as possible, you know, mm-hmm. in the time that we have. Of course... Um, did you have access to the music while you were doing sound design? We did. And and Joe Bond, who was our other music editor, who really also deserves a lot of credit because he sculpted the initial shape of the soundtrack with John's music from other films. Oh, so you're talking about temp, temp track? Yeah. Temp tracking. Mm-hmm. But then as... and. As John would write, and he was brought in very early. He had an entire year to write. In fact, I think that was one of the reasons why he agreed mm-hmm. to do the film, is that he wanted to take his time and really, you know, do his best work. Um, and they were, they, the producers, Ron Bergman and Kathy, were smart enough to kind of go, that's a great idea, let's give... John enough time and to, to, to work his, his at, a, at a good pace so he's not feeling rushed and he's mm-hmm. not and he's enjoying it you know mm-hmm. I think enjoying the job is important to him um, so Joe Bond would shape it and then the cues would they would record 
for you know way ahead of time, and the cues would come in, and they would slowly be swapped out. So it wasn't a typical thing where they're re recording cues like at the end at, while you're pre-mixing and things show up. But he was doing scoring sessions during months and months. months. And, and so that stuff would come in to you. Absolutely. And you would have that to work against on your sound design. The Fathier Chase, for example. I mean, and that sequence, by the way, <laughs> used to be a really long sequence that was slowly edited down. And, you know, you see how a composer will work so hard to make this six and a half, seven minute opus. And then by the time it's done, it's two and a half minutes, you yeah. know. So a lot of it gets thrown out. But, um, yeah, so we had that material, and as Michael was pointing out, frequencies and the geological shape of, well, what's high, what's low, what's mid, what can we get rid of? Oh, we've got a rumble there, and John Williams is doing something low. Let's get rid of the sound sure. effects to let the other one speak. Yeah, and I had, I had the score for pre-dubbing. Most of it. Mm -hmm. So if you, so you could just solo the music and say, okay, well, I had it there, so I could learn it as we were pre-dubbing mm -hmm. sound effects and seeing what's working right in, in and out of there. And even when we didn't have it there, I had temp track that was actually really good. So Which is was, just super smart because then you're not going to waste a lot of time finessing something that's not going to work. In the yeah, you, you're not. You spend the time in the final just creating or. Or, yeah, finessing things right down to the end or where Ryan, you know, wants to try something different, experimenting, you know. Well, yeah. it's working this way, but let's try this now. Instead of spending all your time, that's not working, that's not working, that's not working, that's not, mm -hmm. <laughs> what about this, what about, you know, throwing yeah. everything in there. So, yeah, it was very, very helpful. Tell me about the mixed process on the film. Um, so I, I presume it's a Star Wars film. You don't have, you're, you're not having to go do a bunch of studio test screenings with None. test audiences, right? We, we had a couple of screenings, but it was all done. All the temp screenings were done out of the Avid. Bob Doucet and his assistant, um, Sam, Sam Bollinger, are, have an ear for sound, and they were definitely our ally on this film. Um, were you we, feeding uh, effects tracks to yeah. them? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> we, they had all the crash down music mixes, and then they also had the, the all the effects coming in from from Ren, and so there was a lot. There wasn't a lot of surprises when we got to the final, where something was completely different. And so they, they, we did all of those mixes right out of the Avid. They had a little screening room hooked right into their media composer in their in their cutting room, and they would bring executives in and people into screen. But it was a fluid process. We never had one. Everyone has like to do a, a traditional tent mix. Tent mix no, kind of, I where everything stops, and you do that for a week or two. We yeah. haven't done that on Star Wars ever. I mean, yeah, really. I mean, well, even when George was making the films, he, he, yeah, no, we didn't, we didn't have, have to, to right? <laughs> yeah, we didn't have to. But even on the new ones, I mean, we would do them all the mixes out of the Avid. In fact, I'm about to leave right after this interview to go to do the same thing on Han Solo. We're going to go do a a temp mix out of the Avid. Yeah, and yeah, but don't go. But that's yeah. but that's I know. <laughs> but that's great too because you know uh, I think there's a lot of heartache and woe when a, a director gets you know Avid love, you know, and right? Gets you know gets used to stuff that is then that then you're replacing in the yeah. in the in the pre-dubs in the final try to get them uh, most of our stuff as early as possible and yeah. there was some great stuff that sam and, and and bob did that we we kept a few things here and there yeah. that really worked well we should talk about those guys a little bit because um bob is also a lover of sound and the picture editor really is the first sculptor of the sound mm -hmm. you know and he understands the beats and the rhythms and the whys of why that sound is there at that frame is because right. we have to wait a beat so that then they go, oh, they're, making, they're talking about something over here or over there. And so uh, he's, was very, he was very helpful to us, mm -hmm. you know, particularly in that crate sequence. Remember, Michael, when we were that 
the, the salt planet and all of that. The shape. crate sequence. There's a there's a planet called Crate, which is it's, it's a red planet covered with a white. Uh, oh, where the final salt. battle yes. happens. Yeah. Right. Okay. And right. that was a really tricky area for for Michael and David to mix, for all of us to mix because it was loud music and then soft dialogue, and loud sound effects and soft dialogue and that mm. sort of thing. Um, and so Bob had shaped it in his avid roughly, but the rhythms and the reasons why things were there, he understood. Mm -hmm. And so he really guided us, um, with Ryan, of course, too, but, but, um, uh, yeah, he, he really helped us a lot through that. Mm -hmm. There's some sequences I want to ask you guys about. Um, and probably most famously, I think, you know, the, the, when people have been talking about the sound for this film, everybody focuses on the silent moment. Mm -hmm. Um, that's that's not silent. That's that's not silent. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's just it's not the it's just not the sound effect you think you're going to hear. That's correct. Yeah. So, uh, this is, of course, we're talking about the sequence where um, Vice Admiral Holdo makes the jump to um, hyperspace through the Star Destroyer. Yeah. So I, I saw the film. Um, I was at a press screening before it was released at Dolby headquarters in San Francisco, um, and then I saw it opening weekend with a pan crowd because. Mm -hmm. I'm a Star Wars geek like everybody else. <laughs> um, and both times, like, the audience gasped. Oh, like, yeah. there was an audible reaction, yeah. from, which yeah. is awesome. It happened at the premiere, too. Did we, it? Were all, we were all just waiting. Yeah. And then just, it was amazing. Yeah, I did. It was amazing. Like, and so it was this wonderful yeah. kind of reaction, ama amazing. Yeah. And, then, and, then, and then I heard, like, AMC was, or, or a theater chain was putting up Couple signs. Of them I saw them. Yeah, Be because yeah, people I, people were complaining yeah. about it. Like it so, was intentional. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, back, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But just back up because it's really an amazing sequence. So how did that kind of come together? Was that part of conceptually? Was that part of the sound design for that sequence from the very beginning? Was that a, was that a discovery in post production? How did that sequence come together? Um, it came together in the cutting room, and um, when we saw a really early cut. There was a rough version of it with it being quiet, already in place. That the picture that, the, Bob, that Bob and and, and Ryan had arrived at. Um, the shape was different, but it was very much the idea that once we get to this one sequence, let's go quiet. And so, they're the ones that came up with that wonderful idea. Um, we shaped it and changed based on that their original architecture, but they, they came up with the architecture of that. Yeah, yeah it was always, I've, I never saw yeah. it. I, it was always designed that way from yeah. the beginning yeah. that I know of, yeah. Well, you bring up the right, you also, Michael, bring up the point that it's not a silent scene. So what, what's it, acoustically, what is happening during Well, what happens there is the music peaks. The whole, th the whole track is peaking at that point. It peaks, everything goes, doesn't go dead. The music finishes, it rings out. As the ring out of the music comes, there's a low space tone that comes in, and I, I don't know. And that's when she makes the jump through the... Well, she's the, making the... Yeah. Yeah. There's a low tone low in tone. there. You don't hear... I mean, because it's not... Again, you're not expecting it. The gasps of the audience and people's reactions are just... They're, they're floored away, like, all yeah. of a sudden. I mean, even... I, w I did a screening up in, in Seattle with Microsoft, with 600 Microsoft, and it, it, the gasp went... They couldn't believe it. And these were all Star Wars, I mean, full-on yeah. gamer, you know, guys who, they, 600 employees got to go to see this, you know, Paul Allen set up a thing for them. And and one guy in the middle of that sequence just screamed out. <laughs> <Really>? Yeah! 
It's amazing. Because and then the whole place did. But what I noticed even at the premiere in that in that sequence is, and it was always designed that way, but I never caught it before. Was for me, the audience is becomes part of the soundtrack for me. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was like wow, they are so into the film that now they've their reactions have just filled out the track, and it feels silent there. Yeah. Right. Uh, but it's because people are reacting to it so much. I mean, there's other scenes in the movie where we actually take sound completely out. I wanted to, say, I wanted to ask you about that because I, um, I was making notes as I, when I watched the film again. There's even that really beautiful sequence right at the, towards the beginning of the film yeah. um, when, the, when the bombers or the, bomb, the last bombers coming in uh, for, at the First Order uh, Dreadnought. And, you know, suddenly, it, you know, there are all these big wide shots and then suddenly you see her eye Mm-hmm. And the track completely yeah, collapses and goes weird. really. And so I, you know, the 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 moments of quiet and the dynamic range in the track, I think, are just fantastic. That's yeah. that right there is the result of having Ryan Johnson, Ren, and and new new blood into Star Wars. I think those those were such risky moments. And I felt like, yeah, we do that with Paige and Rose and the bombing run. We do that on all the Force connections. We do it right before they start the big lightsaber battle in Snoke's chamber, mm-hmm. and obviously the Holdo sequence, and all those moments. We just really got intimate, and it was risky. I mean, even our producer uh, Rom was like, "I think it's too quiet. Yeah, it's he, too quiet. It was yeah. too much." Yeah. Well, well, like, no, no, no. One particular sequence. Yeah, we do take the sound completely out in a couple Force yeah. Connect scenes. Yeah, right? outside of a couple of footsteps. But and nobody's some ever yeah. mentioned that. Yeah. Not a single word about that. Is that right? Yeah, I not a single it, word. I noticed it right away. I was like, I've never There's heard this one kind track, of a Star yeah. Wars film before. Yeah. Yeah. There's one so track the, where the, it completely drops out. Yeah, so the Force Connection scenes, um, how did you guys arrive at the, the treatment of sound in those in those sequences? That Ren was a, has the original, yeah, how they yeah. got, but how yeah. we got it in the mix is different than how they designed it originally. Well, yeah, that was when I read the screenplay that Ryan wrote, actually, um, the two big questions I had for him when I met him for the first time was what are the force connection sequences going to sound like mm-hmm. and what's the mirror cave going to sound like mm-hmm. and his eyes lit up like I like the fact that you're asking those <laughs> questions and um, we we worked on those sequences for a long time um, I came on early and started to manipulate the dialogue and um, the dialogue actually is pretty much the original shape. We did go through a process of slowly replacing production with ADR because we wanted to clean breaths. And mm-hmm. we wanted it as we were learning and discovering the sequence. And Ryan kept coming around to this notion of, I want it to feel like we're in a vacuum, he kept right. saying. And so there were the dialogue between the two characters and how you sort of hear. Kylo Ren's voice approaching before he speaks. Right. That was a technique that, um, and a, a sound process that we, it's almost, we arrived it's, at. It's almost like, um, like, like the, like, um, uh, drum gating in a way. Yeah. Well, it's, it's taking their dialogue. It was very simple. I took their dialogue, flipped it around backwards, added reverb, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh. took that, flipped it around backwards and then just sort of jigged it and took, did the same thing with delays and different l- types of reverb and then blended those reverbs. So they, uh, come sure. to their voices. The one thing that I didn't quite nail until we were in the final where Michael really helped sculpt was the sense of the void and 
I had made these sounds for Ryan that were like, we're in the real world, and then as soon as we connect, there's sort of this feeling of stasis or dreamy texture. Mm-hmm. And we had that in for quite a long time, and finally, Ryan said, what if we just got rid of all of that completely? And so we did that. And then, all but my we, beautiful sound design. Yeah, yeah. no, it's yeah. fine. But that's, that's okay. Ryan, and that's, that's why it's great having Michael go, yeah, no problem. It's gone. Yeah. <laughs> let's see what we do and let's be bold. You know, yeah, you take it when the director says, well, why don't we try something? You know, and that was yeah. the nice thing. He had been hearing this stuff and mm-hmm. had lived with it, but it was like the hip moments in a, when you're mixing where, I want to try something different. Let's experiment a little bit. It, was, it worked for a long time, but... I think we can get something better or different, mm-hmm. you know, that makes me, moves me better. And so, yeah, I think it was Ryan's idea about yanking all the sound out. And so then we ultimately had a, which was, came up with a sound that was quick. like, how do you get there? So we had a reversal sound there and it cuts sure. off. And just as it cuts off, then Michael pulls all the faders off and it's pulls like everything back. dead quiet. I had stuff, yeah, going on. And that was, there. we arrived at that and we were like, Wow, this is yeah. Fun. As soon as I did that, Ryan was like, "That's it. I that's that's great." And our producer Ron was like, "Nope, nope, nope, nope. We can't do that. That's just, no, that's it's that's gonna that's sound that's like that's a dropout." That's people. Right. <laughs> it's gonna sound. Yeah. That's well, not and, and, it, and in fact, people did think you, you know the, yeah. the, the the soundtrack was messed up in the film. Apparently, in certain theaters, was but not in that spot. But not in that spot. Not in the spots that he was thinking. Yeah. That's so what's happening? What's happening those in those Force Connect scenes? What's happening in the track? So there's the dialogue, and then is there just some sort some, of some tone? Or nothing. nothing. When it first drops, when they first go, nothing. There was not even music in the first two, and then in the set, the uh, later ones, there's definitely music threading through there. But the first couple are just yeah. they're breathing. It's got a little bit of foley. But what it does is it, it, it for me as an audience member, it has the effect of putting you in there. Oh head. yeah, that's yeah. what I think Ryan was trying to get this intimate connection between them to the right. two of them, and just and just like really. There's draw nothing the else for them. Like they're just yeah. That's it. You're stuck, and you're you, you, they had to be connected. So <laughs> I don't know. That's the feeling I got from yeah. what he was trying to achieve. Yeah. Um. General Leia's spacewalk. Um, I, when I saw the sequence, I was like, "Ooh, this is kind of, this is interesting." I'm not. This is wow. This is kind of interesting, gutsy storytelling. And then, of course, I mean, for me, it just worked because there's the point, the poignancy of of, of Carrie Fisher having passed. But how did you guys? I mean, that's such a just a nutso sequence. How did you guys uh, approach it from a sound designer and music perspective? Because there's a big there's a big score moment in in that. So when yeah. she when she kind of reanimates and then starts flying back, yeah, to the, it, it, it's very music driven. Yeah, and it is music driven still. I mean, they add, we added some more space was, connection that, stuff. That was the one thing that we actually, after we print mastered, um, we came back to, um, hmm. and Ryan had we'd finished mixing, and he went off on his tour of promotion, promoting the film to to Japan and everywhere else. And so he would watch the film, and sure. he, he started accruing this little notebook, you know, of like, well, you know, we should do this. And this is before the film got, was released? We got finished. This is the first time a Star Wars movie we've ever been finished with enough time to do something like we that. We were finished we're normally, months in advance. We're normally finished, yeah. like, a week before, like, D-Day, you know, so it's... it's. it's but you guys had actually mixed the film last summer, right? Or a few months it? before? Yeah, fall, towards the <clears> end, of, uh, yeah, end of summer, fall, yeah. right? Okay. So he went off to promote it, and then um, he started... You know, keeping a little notepad, and and one moment that really was kept coming back to him was 
Leia and the Force and the moment that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And so he wrote me and asked, you know, what can we do to make it feel as if the Force is coming from within her? Mm. And he... And that was a really good way of couching it because um, what does that sound like? And so um, I ended up doing, I think, seven versions of that moment uh, of the sound design. Of yeah. Um, with, and, and I would say, and we kicked around all sorts of ideas. Um, one of them was the sequence that was voices that was from the Jedi text that Matt, right, right, right. that Matt, uh, had a big part in with, and we thought, Oh, maybe the, the, t- the, the text, the Jedi voices are coming. But then we realized that that was an external sound. Yeah. Right. It wasn't coming from inside her. So we ended up arriving at a sound that he was happy with. Um, but it is like Michael was saying; it is largely music with the these sounds. And I ended up pitching these tones. If you listen there, you'll hear these sort of force sounds that are in tune with John Williams' music, hopefully perfectly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, the sound of the force. Yeah, the sound of the force. A lighter or a lighter side yeah. sound. Of, it's sort of yeah. a fluttering thing that's hopefully coming from inside of her. And and it is that beautiful original Leia theme that, like, for me. You so know, you just start crying. Yeah, it just here. brings tears to my oh eyes. My gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was a question that I had for you, but I just wanted <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about that sequence it's again. It's so good. Yeah. Um, it's really sad, too, that when, and what, the irony of that scene is that she, everyone thinks that that was planned. Well, you think that's her death moment. Right. The first time you watch the film. You know, right? but everything was done. That's amazing. And then she was coming back to work with Matt. To yeah, do ADR, and she died ADR, on the plane. Yeah. It was awful. Well, not 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 exactly. So it wasn't Matt's. Matt's I, it wasn't Matt's no, fault. No, it wasn't. No, really? no, I did ADR with her. Uh, I mean, yeah, she was coming I, back to yeah, LA, yeah, though, right? She was coming she? back from London, but that was yeah. Those were two separate trips. But I did I did get one round of ADR in, yeah, in London. I wanted to ask you about that. Was yeah. there, you know, obviously, a, 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 a tremendously sad when yes. she passed away during mm-hmm. post production. Um, did that cause problems for you guys in terms of we her production every, tracks? Her production? No, I mean we we had pretty much everything we needed to 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 make it work. I, I did bring in um, a sound alike for a few syllables here and there, but nothing. It was just a few things when there was clothing rustle that I couldn't we couldn't get an articulated you know little syllable. But it was it was like maybe a handful of syllables basically. But everything else was carry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Uh, I was happy to have that last session with her. I'd, I'd worked with her on the last film, and I'd known her socially from various events over the years. And sure. she was just the powerhouse and totally hilarious and incredibly amazing, positive energy. There's a great documentary yeah. too. About I, I was about to. I was going to bring that up because I saw you're talking about the film that she made with her mom, with Debbie yes. Reynolds, um, and directed it's about by their, Fisher Stevens, directed by the, her brother. Um, and well, actually, no, it's directed by Fisher Stevens and. Her brother's in it. In it, right. Yeah, that's but right, it's confusing because right. Fisher, the name, sounds right. like they're related. Right, right. And Fisher's wife, Lexi. Yeah. I was at the Telluride Film Festival where that film premiered, oh, and she right. was there. Oh, wow. And she did a Q&A. Like, but this was just like maybe a month that or two. must have been really close. Yeah. A month or two before she died. And she was she did a Q&A. With, and, of course, she brings her dog, Gary Fisher, mm-hmm. With her, Gary and, came to all the ADR, and and Gary had his own, yeah. you know, the bull, had his own chair, yeah, at the Q and A session. <laughs> she was just amazing. Yeah. You know, she was just this kind it's, of force of nature. It's, it's really sad. It's very sad. It, 
she had a lot more to give, you know. Yeah. And she was so brilliant in her writing, mm-hmm. her sense of humor. Uh, you know, it's really sad yeah. that she's gone. Yeah. Um, are there any other particular sequences that you guys were super proud of that you wanted to kind of acknowledge or talk about? Well, I thought the mirror cave was always pretty interesting to mm-hmm. me in the way yeah. Ren designed it, but no one ever wants to talk about that one either, but I will. So what, but what is it about that specific sequence? Are you I talking about like the, the, the way, like way, the creature design with the, uh, with the, with the, is that the, is that what we're talking about? No, I'm talking when she's in the mirror cave. When Ray she, walks she, up she, to the, Ray, Oh, Ray the and, mirror cave. Right, right, right. Yeah, when yeah. it's that, when she sees the sort yeah, of the, the I, I reflections thought, of herself yeah, yeah, yeah. and the sound is coming the and Sound is you know traveling around the room, and yep. Rin did some great jobs and very specific, you know, sound or you know every single footstep to every cloth movement to every little even her breaths were like very yeah, detailed in there, and and how it was all and even on the the sound design on the cave and and then how on the other side of the cave the different types of tones there are mm-hmm. you know on the other side of the mirror, uh, the, you know Ryan was very specific and Rin had designed some great stuff in there and then and music and how it interweaved with the music I always loved that sequence so yeah. uh, th- those were kind of sequences I thought were you know it was really wonderful mm-hmm. and they're quiet but they're very detailed mm-hmm. and they're very you know they they have accents very accented on it but uh, yeah that's one of the sequences I. I enjoyed a lot yeah. that area. Yeah, I think um, it's, uh, I, you know, I think when I think Star Wars sound design, you know, there's there's always going to be big battles and lots of, you know, weaponry and lots of spaceships going on, but I don't normally think of them as being incredibly detailed, subtle, yeah, it's beautiful. S- specific tracks. And so I think this, you know, it, it does, it sits very comfortably in the Star Wars universe, but it has a very distinct, unique sound. Oh, good. Thanks to and, you. And, Thanks to and you Ryan had designed the movie to have dynamics in it. You can right. tell just in its storytelling that it comes down. Yep. And then it takes off, and then it comes back down, and it takes off yeah. again. So he, just in the way they edited the film and the storytelling, it lended itself to He these gave you moments. guys room to do that stuff. Really yeah, did. he really did. And then he just reemphasizing, hey, let's go a little bolder. Let's try a little bit, you know, try a little bit quieter here or a little bit louder here and and again it sound is wonderful when it's quiet you don't have to be as loud yet it feels really loud sometimes you know yeah, what i mean it's a weird uh, uh, event when things are quiet and all of a sudden there's a big bang it's like wow and it's really not that loud but it just takes you by surprise so yeah i think the film has a lot of those it has a lot of wonderful dynamics in it and that's pretty much just ryan and bob you know building the tr- building the, the movie that way from the beginning right. So, uh, so a lot of new stuff, but obviously it's a Star Wars film. There's lightsabers and mm-hmm. there's, you know, Chewbacca and there's R2 and, uh, you know, so many of the, the iconic elements that Ben Burt uh, designed and built in the original films. Um, I, but I have to just kind of Star Wars fanboy geek out for a second. Like, are, are you still doing lightsaber sounds the old fashioned way? Or like, right. is, there now, is there now a complete library of lightsaber sounds that you don't have to go back and, and do the crazy recordings they, anymore? They, I mean, they, they, that, that's, the, I mean, for me, that was a wonderful part of it because so many of the, the art, how those, the history of how those sounds were made and built, um, Ren paid absolute respect to, and they were a lot of them were redone. I mean, they, they yeah. had a, yeah, a fun mission in the scoring stage yeah, here, building we, those. We, you know, the sounds that Ben Burt's made, they're so iconic and they're so adhered to the movie. You can't separate 
You can't have <laughs> Chewbacca without sound. You can't have R2-D2 without that image, the lightsaber. But there are a few opportunities where we needed to have more uh, variety of those sounds because they were doing a lot more. Mm -hmm. Ray would do a lot more with the, her saber and Kylo Ren and so forth. And so um, we came up with this notion of, well, let's reimagine the sounds and reconstruct them in a way that was from a similar starting point. Mm -hmm. And so um, Matt, who knows the sound library better than anybody, uh, helped me find the original two sounds, uh, which is the hum of the lightsaber. Mm -hmm. And one is a, it's a Sony Trinitron tube television with the microphone that Ben Bert was walking across the room and he accidentally rubbed it and he heard it and <laughs> that's one sound. And the other is the sound of a, the idol of a 35 millimeter dubber kind of idling. Yeah. And those two sounds... Those together make up the steady, the steady yeah. state? Make up the steady. And then what Ben Burt did is, uh, as you can hear, is he then played that out of a speaker and then took a microphone like this one that we're speaking mm -hmm. into and would swing it in front of that speaker. And so I thought, well, let's do that again. But mm -hmm. let's do it with, you know, 192K recording and mm -hmm. high-res <laughs> recording equipment mm -hmm. and Meyer sound phase-adjusted subwoofer playback. Sure. And let's get the entire team to do it. And mm -hmm. let's get every single person who's working on the movie to do their own. Let's get everybody in on it. And so we Hopefully had... with some margaritas, right? <laughs> I, I didn't you know, get invited to that. <laughs> oh. I didn't get the margaritas. <laughs> we didn't do the margaritas, damn it. We should have. We, we Although people did fall over, I think. A couple of people falling over. <laughs> so we had a great time doing that. <laughs> I'll bet you did. Yeah. And then the other side. And you did, it, you did it here on the scoring stage? Uh -huh. oh, we did. We did. And it was a lot of fun. We, and uh, um, the other sound was the igniting of the, of the original lightsaber, of Luke's lightsaber. And uh, again, Matt was really helpful to me look, finding these sounds. And, you know, it's sort of like. When you get, for me, never being part of this before and getting to kind of open up the mm -hmm. treasure chest to hear these sounds, it's it's quite something to go, yeah. oh. And it's quite something to watch it through your eyes, too, man. I, I got to say, like, that was, for me, the joy of working on it is seeing new people work on Star Wars. And, like, you get the cream of the crop of the crew. Everyone wants to do their best. It's like a bigger... You feel like you're making a dent in something a lot bigger than what we normally work on, and John and yeah. Bonnie and yeah, everybody worked and, really hard, and we yeah. we had a great time. So we Tie we fighters were, are still the same. Yeah, <laughs> it's still the yeah. Tie fighter is still it's still that, that you can't, uh, 20th yeah. Century Fox uh, <laughs> elephant roar. Is that what yeah. it, what what yeah. what is the Tie fighter sound? It's that. It's the twenty. It's, a, it's, it's an <laughs> elephant uh, roar, and then it's also uh, some of the Tie Fighters have the sound of like wet tires on Which asphalt. We, we decided to. We steered away bit, from the wet tire, but yeah. we stayed uh -huh. because that iconic sound. Even when I was a kid, of that Tie Fighter sure. coming. Uh, you know, we always used to do the, do the scream when uh, yeah. well, on the playground, right? Yeah, it's with just our like tie you know toys. what's coming. Sure. And so every time I was telling them to. Yeah, Give but me that sound. but then you were able to do some variations, right? So Kylo Ren's Tie Fighter has a has yeah. a slightly yeah. So that's a different yeah. elephant. So you you know you kind it's of a different elephant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one down at the zoo here. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as good though. It's you know Ben picked the best one, um, and uh, yeah. So we it was fun to reimagine those sounds. The the sound of the lightsaber. Um, there's this file. 
called Mae West. And mm-hmm. you're like, what? You know, you think Mae West. What? In the exactly. Star Wars library? Yeah. And the naming, by the way. Yeah. Tim Nielsen, thank goodness, has gone through and like he's, you know, putting proper names because the it is like it's a foreign language because, mm-hmm. you know, to learn what what something is, you have to call it by a completely different <coughs> name that it was called 40 years ago, and sure. only a handful of people know that. Yeah. So May West was another one of them, and so I was like, what at May West? And it, it's a life jacket that you put on. You know, when they you got on a Southwest flight and they yeah, and if you were to ignite that, there's a CO2 cartridge in both. sections and they open up and that sound is the sound of a lightsaber turning on believe it or not (laughs) really yeah that's amazing so we 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 found well we went you know went onto ebay and or 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 amazon and got a bunch of these things and got cartridges and again we got the entire crew involved and everybody got to do their own version of the the lightsaber so two quick questions for you guys, because I know we're, we're uh, yeah. almost out of time. Um, the film, the film um, uh, it's going to be available in Dolby Atmos for home theater. So what sequences, for the people who have Dolby Atmos, what, what should they be listening for? Where, where, where are some interesting Atmos moments in the film? There aren't any. No. Okay. <laughs> God. <laughs> it's mono. Uh, it's, That's yeah. our whole The whole film is, is you know, we, we natively we, mixed yeah, it in Dolby natively. Atmos. Right. So, uh, gosh. I don't know. Uh, the, I, I'm the using the whole thing. The Force Connection Force sequences. Connections, Force Connections, yeah. This, all the battle sequences, stuff flying all over around sure. you and, and over the top of you. There's, uh, boy, yeah, when, when the ship, when the, uh, on Crete, when the, the ship comes flying in, you know, off, off the stand, when they're flying. You know, there's so many different ones that I used it to the fullest. I used it all the way to the as much as you could use it, I think. Even in the music, when we're with Snoke in his red room, mm-hmm. if you're the solo, you'll be able to hear the choir that we put the choir up there. And the overheads, yeah. Yeah, gosh, very specific. It's a very, very Vincent Minnelli kind of set. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Snoke's it's <chamber>. amazing. <laughs> um, it's all burned down. What do you mean it burned down? Well, I mean like in the movie. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. of course. It's <laughs> all the red, the big red, and by Vice Admiral Holden. Yes. Um, you know, you guys are obviously nominated along with David Parker, who makes the dialogue, yes. and also Stuart Wilson, who was the production sound mixer on the yeah. film. Um, but, you know, it wasn't the five of you that just did this by yourselves. Uh, who else on the on the crew would you like to take Dialogue-wise, um, Richard Quinn was our dialogue soup, and I've worked with him on a lot of projects. He's done a lot of projects with Ren, and very meticulous, and um, uh, he worked really well with, with Bob Doucet. So we had a lot of looping and a lot of loop group, and... And acquiring that all, all over the world, I have a little portable looping setup that we go and fly all over the world to hotel rooms to get <laughs> actors when they're not available. But um, but yeah, Rich Quinn, James, James Spencer, um, our first assistant, Koya Elliott. Koya was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, Trey Turner, and then uh, sound design assistant, um, Steve Orlando. Steve Orlando, who yeah. who was he's so technically skilled at recording, and now he's now he's an amazing editor now um and beautiful recordings that you know we would do with these high sample rates and slow them down mm-hmm. we had bonnie wild um and john borland as our sound effects editors who work their butts off <laughs> on all these reels um yeah john was my right hand guy in the mix so he and was, he was he incredible was bonnie bonnie was there a couple of days because she had to go off onto something else but uh yeah john was 
the guy every time I'm turning around, what now? <laughs> what now? <laughs> he was very a trooper and, and he, a huge he Star Wars fan himself too. Yeah, so, so he, he, knew, he, he knew all the stuff. Yeah, he knows the language. I'd call him up and I'd go. He went to bat really. Remember well. an Empire, <laughs> John? When the, the you know the the. I'd sing the sound. Yeah. Go, What's that it. thing called? I can't find. It. He goes probot. Yeah. Type in probot. I'm like probot. Yeah. What the sure. heck is probot? And then yeah. right there it is. There it is. Yeah. That's he good. knew. He was my right hand guy yeah. there. Right on the. And Bonnie Wild. She she, she mixes on. Um, she mixed uh, Rebels for us. Oh okay. She's, she's been doing a couple seasons of that. And she she's amazing. Cut these reels. Uh, John and Bonnie cut these reels uh, and worked very diligently for weeks and weeks and weeks. And Bonnie had reel seven, which was that big crate reel. And then there was a rebalance where all of her work (laughs) then went to the end of a reel that John had. So then he got to take credit for her stuff. And she's like, she has this, John, you got uh, to take my stuff. And then then she had to inherit an empty reel that he was in. She was like, this is not fair. But uh, yeah, she, she, her work was incredible. Foley, oh, uh, Frank Ranella yeah. and his team, yeah, Margie, who, uh, Margie and Ronnie Brown, yeah. have done uh, a lot of Star Wars projects with us. So they they're kind of our renegade Foley team here at the ranch. They they work in what's supposed to be our ADR room. <laughs> Is that right? And then they do a lot of live kind of Foley all over the place. In the building, they'll do stuff. And uh, that's great. Uh, so what's, they, what's the use of having a ranch like this if you can't run around and make sense? Exactly. Recording? So we have I think we have three Foley stages here. In the ranch. And, and Ronnie. You know, they and Frank really came up with this great. They know the language of the stormtroopers' mm-hmm. outfits, and, those suits, and, yeah, and yeah. suits, and um, they can't the sound surf- plastic, but they can't sound metal. They have to have some kind of. Oh, that's interesting. That's the yeah. rule. Yeah. Well, it's it can't be. It can't sound like what it looks like because <laughs> I mean, how? Why would they be wearing plastic? <laughs> but it has to have this other high tech sort of feel to it, and they've definitely cultivated that over the years. And, and then yeah. Kim Patrick, our editor, yeah, she was great because um, she would cut alts, mm. which is you know when we needed an alt. We remember Michael. We were yeah. going through some of the, some of the you know we were listening to the foley and uh, we needed to have, you know, like, give us some alts. And then we had um, was it D D Selby? Yeah. D yeah, Selby really? D Selby, oh, yeah. D is incredible, and he would not only go through and edit and create alts, but then he would. Do the thing that drives people like Michael nuts, where you hear these little ticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just drive everybody nuts, and he would he would place them so splice carefully. them out, or he would volume tuck. I mean, yeah. this man went through with the finest the brush of the and yeah, exactly. deal, and, 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 fully, and, and saved us. That's amazing. We would have been pre-dubbing for for days if he hadn't <laughs> done that. And our mixed techs. Uh, our mixer assistant Stephen Murata, who ended up uh, mixing in the end when Michael had to, to go to another uh, had to go yeah, to Coco. Yeah, couple of reels. Yeah, yeah. Steve, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was That's great. Michael. He's always juggling. Twelve. Just too popular. They just kept mixing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> schedule kept it was going. Luxurious story. You can pick up that one on the Coco interview. You do. <laughs> we, we can we can ask. That's when. what happens when you start early on the mix. They have they can keep going. Well, it's always a good idea. Hmm. Sure. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for taking thank the time you. to do this. It's been it's it's been a blast being back at the ranch with you guys today. Ren, Matt, Michael. 
congratulations on the amazing work and uh, good luck at, at the Dolby Theater in, yes. in a few weeks. Thank Can't you. wait. Thank and you, you guys, uh, you're, you're up for BAFTAs as well, right? Yes, yes sir. Yes, so you're about right. to head off to, are you going to go to London? I okay. think yes. so. I haven't got an itinerary yet. I don't yeah. have one either, but I think we're going. I hope so. <laughs> All right. Gonna... Well, good luck at the BAFTAs and then at the Oscars. And uh, thanks again for doing the show. Thank you. Thank you. This, is, uh, this is Glenn Kaiser signing off uh, from Skywalker Ranch for the Dolby Institute and the Soundworks Collection. Thank you. Thank you.